TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. We do welcome you to the Two Guys and a Mike Show here on a midweek hump day, Wednesday, if you will. Beautiful, beautiful, if not hot in steamy day in the fine city of Chicago. It's the coach, possibly flying solo today, hopefully going to be joined by the big dog. We'll be talking sports and more right up until 11 o'clock, one hour of sports talk here on the TalkZone.com. We do it each and every day, folks, Monday through Friday, one hour a day, five in total. How about that? Mel Allen will say welcome, everybody. Hope you had a uh, great day. The morning's off to a great start. We had some uh, baseball action last night. We'll certainly talk about that. we got the Tour de France continuing. As you know, we are the only station giving you stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France. we got some basketball uh, coaching news. we got, of course, right here in Chicago, the big news, Lou Piniela, Uncle Lou, finally uh, announcing his retirement. Kind of an odd time to do so. Right after the All-Star break, we thought maybe he'd do it at the uh, start of the year, beginning of the year, or right near the very end. Kind of weird. Kind of weird, the timing of it uh, in the middle of the season, but so be it. And the Cubs responded to uh, Uncle Lou's retirement by coming up with a big comeback victory yesterday. It looked like they were not responding to his retirement when they fell behind 6-1 to one early. Ryan Dempster went in the dumpster yesterday early, and the fielding wasn't much better. That's Dempster in the dumpster if you're keeping score at home. Uh, and they were down, I believe, 6-1. to 6-1 to one and came back, won the ballgame 14-7, Aramis Ramirez. And we always said he was just too good of a hitter to be in that long of a slump, and Aramis Ramirez has proved us correct. It took him a little bit too long to prove us correct, but he finally did, and Aramis came up with not one, not two, but three home runs yesterday. His third one, by the way, crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. The Houston Astro pitching uh, was like hitting off a pitching machine yesterday, especially when the bullpen came in. So the Cubs come up with a nice 14-7 to win. White Sox also won yesterday as they uh, improved their American League Central Division leading standing to three and a half games. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive for a ball club that was nine and a half out. It seems like only a couple of shouts ago. White Sox win four to nothing. John Dank, seven and two-thirds, only a couple of hits. So baseball? Haven't had that many games uh, in Chicago, at least, where both teams have won on the same day. Been kind of a rough season, particularly for the Cubs. That happened last night. Very, very nice. You want to uh, call up, talk a little baseball. We will be doing that today on the show. Feel free to dial it up at 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. Two guys and a mic. And, again, we're hoping to uh, get a call from the big dog, but it could be. Coach flying solo, you never know. You never know what the big dog. If he was here, by the way, we're going to do another award-winning edition of our Midwest Hunting and Fishing Report, which is one of the highlights of the shows we've been doing over the years. There's not that many highlights, quite frankly. But when we do the Midwest Hunting and Fishing Report, it's beautiful because uh, I'm the anti-hunter guy. Joel's the anti-fishing guy. The two of us don't really do either, yet we give you the expertise, surprisingly. It's been uh, fairly acclaimed. Is a fairly knowledgeable Midwest hunting and fishing report. So we might get to that 
later in the show. Uh, those that live out in the Midwest will take your favorite lakes, give you the fishing report, and um, what the heck? If Joel doesn't show up and you want to be the fishing expert on the show, you can do that too. 888-463-6748, the phone number. So that's coming up, of course, Tour de France. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks, there is a report as the Blackhawk players continue to defect or defect. Don't think it would be defect. It would be defect. They decided to uh, keep Patrick Sharp, but in doing so, it appears. Not for sure, but it appears they're going to lose. They're Stanley Cup goalie, Anthony Emmy. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Stanley Cup team. Championship team. It's not like it's not like a team was together for, you know, four or five or six years. And after all these years, well, the time has come. This team was together for, let's see, let's count them, uh, oh, one. One year. They win the Stanley Cup. And now they lose a third of their position players, a couple of key guys, Dustin Bufflin, Chris Fertig, a lot of their complimentary players, and all of us that know sports, the complimentary players. Without the complimentary players, there are no compliments. Without compliments, you don't win a championship. So you can't really put them down and say that they're complimentary players. They're a big part of the team. But you expect to lose a couple. And now, on top of a couple uh, key players, looks like you're going to lose your goalie, too. Absolutely amazing. Again, not a five, six-year run. The time has come. It was a good run. We won a couple championships. We almost won a couple others. No. This was a team that was building, 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 building. Boom. It all comes together. We finally win a championship. Hallelujah. All the work is paid off. Boom. The reconstruction project starts. It's almost like the uh, if you're building a house, David Olson. Longtime producer extraordinaire, David Olson, our fine producer today. We're still looking for a female intern, by the way, if you're a female. Interested in being an intern on the show, we have uh, openings, to say the least. We are taking resumes as we speak. If you are a male who has a high-pitched voice, if you're a male who likes to dress as a female, or if you're a male with uh, some female tendencies, we'll take anything. We're desperate for an intern here, somebody to get some work done. That's bottom line. Uh, 888-463-6748. You can always email us, by the way, at Mike, two guys at AOL.com. David, turn up my volume here because my voice is already. Already fading out here. I gotta be careful not to strain. I gotta coach a couple of games tonight. Uh, again, email Mike, two guys at AOL.com. Yeah, but the Blackhawk thing, it's almost like, it's almost like using the analogy of a construction business where you're building a house and you spend, you know how long it takes going through the contractors and the contracts and getting the building permits and the, uh, putting everything together, meeting with the architect, long, painstaking project. And when it is finally done, you take a look at it, you sit back, and it's a beautiful, beautiful building. You built a wonderful house, and then all of a sudden uh, you live in it for six months, and you tear it down again. Or maybe that's not a perfect analogy with the Blackhawks because they're keeping some of their players, but you know, you rip apart the, uh, the top floor of the building. Again, not after 10 or 15 years, but after one year. So that seems a little bit odd. Seems a little bit odd. Don't want to talk Blackhawk hockey here, but losing goalie Anthony Emmy is yet another straw in the uh, ice hockey camel camel's back that uh, continues to perturb me. And don't perturb me. I don't get perturbed that easy. 888-463-6748. Again, Coach uh, and the Big Dog with you up until 11 o'clock. Apparently the Big Dog has joined us via his uh, Verizon wireless cell phone. Uncle Lou Pinella has retired. 
I know it's a tough moment for you, uh, Joe Rawanski. Actually, maybe it's not such a tough moment. How are you, big dog? And your thoughts on the retirement of our good friend, everybody's uncle, Lou Piniella. Yeah, that's why I had to have my moment of silence, and that's why I didn't join the show until five minutes in, Coach. There's, uh, <laughs> I, I did have to have my, you know, you know, it, it's pretty sad. The sad thing is, is the, the fact that the team is so underperformed, and I really don't blame. Um, I, I don't blame Lou Pinella, and a lot of people could be like, hey, do you remember the game he left Dempster, and remember the game he left Lily, and managers make mistakes. You know, the best manager in baseball, Mike Stoster or Tony La Russa, whoever you want to argue, or Bobby Cox, has made mistakes this year and cost this team a game. Mm-hmm. You know, Donnie Baseball yesterday, who was the interim manager, the only game he's been manager for the Dodgers all year long, he blew the game for the Dodgers as the manager. So, you know, uh, it, I, I don't blame Lou Pinella. The team has totally underachieved, and uh, you know what? He, he's mm-hmm. done a decent job. Not a great job or anything like that, but he's been a good manager for Chicago Cup. Um, blame is the wrong word, but let me let me just present a different scenario to it, and I'm going to make it uh, personal because I ended out coaching a, a travel baseball team this summer, Big Dog, and, and uh, assistant coaching. Mm-hmm. And we really weren't didn't want to do the travel baseball circuit my son was kind of burned out on baseball. It was a long season up until um, middle of June. And we started back in late April. So it was a long season. But it's a long story, but a couple of his buddies were playing. They needed players. The head coach was a good friend of mine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But so, so we agreed to uh, go on the team, and I agreed to help manage the team. Uh-huh. Okay? And, you know, the first couple of weeks I was kind of into it. The last three, four weeks, it has been a battle. I'm out there. I'm clapping. I'm making some moves, suggestion of the head coach. I'm into it, but it's not my normal coaching job. And the sharpness of the team, the team has not performed well. And we're kind of fading. So so here's the analogy I'm making. Lou Pinella, you know, all right, X and O's, maybe not so bad. But is there an overall... Malaise. Thank you. That uh, subtly, it's, it's, it's something that just the players don't even realize it, but just a lack of attention to detail, a lack of sharpness, a lack of edge. I see it in my Pony League team because I'm not into it as a coach. And again, I'm not, I'm not sitting there not doing anything. I'm clapping. I'm still there doing my thing, but I don't have the edge as a coach. And I think Lou Pinella doesn't have that extra edge and zest that he used to have. Does that subtly carry over to the ball club? You know, Coach, I'm going to have to totally agree with you on this one. I, I don't like doing that, but you know, I'm going to use <laughs> I'm going to use that analogy tomorrow when when I do the show because you know what? I mean, Lupinella comes to the game unshaven, unkempt. You know, his shirt not tucked in. <laughs> looks like he had far too many cervezas, and then you know, all of a sudden, this team seems to be a little off. Like, you know, it's like one or two little play that should be basic, fundamental play that they don't make throughout a game that'll end up costing the game. That's why mm-hmm. this team has lost the most one-run games in baseball this season. So, you know, that makes a lot of So maybe he is to blame. I hate to use the word blame, but there's just a, there's, there's a lack of sharpness cause? and edge in the team. Is, is the word cause better for you? Possible. How about a lack of sense of, and I'm trying to get away from blame, but just trying to, Picking out what's missing, a lack of sense of urgency. Maybe. But well, he is the, he, he is everybody's favorite Uncle Lou. You have to admit, when he retires, he would be the kind of guy you could almost open up like rent uncle. Uh-huh. If you were having a uh, you know birthday party, neighborhood party, little summer party or something, and you went wanted a colorful, friendly uncle to show up, Lou would be the guy. He'd be the perfect uncle. Well, yeah, he's not my favorite. My 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 favorite uncle is my gay uncle. He always gives me the best clothes at Christmas. The best what? Clothes. Oh, 
I thought you said something else. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, well, so he's ranked second. And that could be our daily quandary for yeah. the day, your favorite uncles out there. I don't know if there's any favorite uncles on uh, TV. Uncle Charlie and my three sons, arguably one of the most likable uncles in I, TV I history. Something. When, when, when this country's doing things right, Uncle Sam is my favorite uncle. Good point. Good point. Glory, glory. Hannah, you very patriotically done. How could I forget about Uncle Sam? He could, uh, along with you, he, Uncle Sam could use a visit with your uh, gay uncle because Uncle Sam's clothes, he could use a makeover. Yeah, you know what? You know, when, when you're six foot five, about a buck seventy, you yep. shouldn't be wearing those vertical stripes. So. Absolutely. Yeah, there's always something wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, stick with the same colors. I'm not talking about taking the red, white, and blue away from Uncle Sam. But uh, you're right, a little vertical stripe look, maybe loosen up the pants a little bit, get them a little more modern looking. Yeah, you know, I think they do have a more modern looking uh, Uncle Sam. He's got like a like a pierced nose. He's got a tattoo <laughs> on his arm. He, he's got a needle in his uh, Take in his it hand. easy. Take it easy. All right, but can we throw that out as our daily quandary as long as we have the retirement of everybody's favorite uncle, Uncle Lou Piniella, your favorite uncle. It could be someone personal or it could be someone in a movie, someone on TVs, but everybody loves their uncle. Or even if you don't love him, there's the colorful, out of the, you know, completely out of the stratosphere uncle. Uncles are very rarely as they're just the normal uncle. Guess is what I'm trying to say. So if you have a uh, favorite uncle you want to nominate for our daily quandary, we'll see if we can come up with a top 10. 888-463-6748. You can email us at Mike2GuysAOL.com. You remember Uncle Charlie from My Three Sons, uh, Big Dog. Uh, he was the funny one. You know, I, I have to admit, uh, Fred McMurray gave a gigantic endowment to my college and turned the name to of my school, the McMurray College. But oh, I have to admit, I was not a big My Three Sons guy. I never mm-hmm. really watched the show. Okay. okay. Even though I hear it's funny, though. Pretty funny show. Yeah, it was okay. Not an award-winning show, but uh, Uncle Charlie. He had the extremely weird haircut, uh, was one of the highlights of the show. He was, he was a, a bit player, but he's one of the guy who, one of those guys who stole the scene. I always hoped that, um, who was uh, in the Brady Bunch, Alice, right? Was she the housekeeper? I yes, always had visions and strange dreams as a uh, testosterone-filled teenager. I kept dreaming of Alice and Uncle Charlie hooking up. You might be surprised, Coach. I think their studios were right next to each other. That's what I'm talking about. There were three boys in each house. There you go. Stranger things have happened. That would be awfully strange, though, Coach. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Once, the show, once again, the show taking a strange side turn here, Big Dog, and I'm holding you thoroughly, thoroughly responsible. Let's get back to Lou Piniella and the manager of the Cubs. I opened up the show by saying it was kind of an odd time for him to be resigning. I thought maybe early in the year he makes the announcement or maybe very, very late, but why now? You know you know what? Uh, that was the first thing Cloudy asked me, and my only thing was because uh, I, I, I was thinking that – they must be keeping Jim Hendry around. Do you know what I mean? Because if they were going to fire him, yeah, like just clean house at the end of the season, let the new guy pick it. But, you know, if they're keeping Jim Hendry around, well, you know, what, what Lou Pinella said, like, you know, Claudia this morning was talking to me about it. He's like, you know, it's really, it's really a good move. You know, no more, there's no secret about it. Lou Pinella's retiring. So when Jim Hendry starts interviewing people, he doesn't have to do it in a secretive manner. It can be out in the open. And for Lou Pinella's sake, as he mentioned this too, 
I thought this was pretty good. He was like, so I don't have to answer the question a million times. I'm done at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to go see my family. You know, if you want to ask me retirement questions, whatever, you know, go ahead. But you don't have to ask me a million times if I'm going to be here next season. I'm not going to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for his own personal, you know, safety, he doesn't, or safety, for his own personal, like, sense about him, he doesn't have to worry about that stuff. So maybe now he will pay more attention to detail because he was shaven yesterday, Coach, which was nice. Yeah, that, that was my next question. Now, and that you bring up a good point. That's a good reason for him to do it. Uh, how will the announcing of the retirement affect your beloved team? You, you know what? When you have a dead-in-the-water coach or manager, I really do think it does hurt a team. But when you're talking about a guy retiring – who is pretty well respected, yep. it probably doesn't have that big of a negative effect on the team. And especially like if your name is Bobby Cox, this is my last year here. You don't look at Bobby Cox ever as a, as a what do you call it, like a dead-in-the-water manager. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, he's not going to be here next year, so I'll just do my own thing. You're going to give that man respect. And, and, and Lou Fidella, even though he, he is unkempt and unshaven, I still think he has uh, respect from the players. Mm-hmm. Even though he's unkempt and unshaven, huh? Yeah, he he needs to shower and comb his hair and, and shave a little bit more often. You're you're the manager of the Chicago Cubs. If you're a yep. player, I don't care if you don't shave or anything like that. But there's something. If you're the manager, you you got to look tip top. I, I I really truly believe that, coach. It has bothered me the way he has looked. In you know, the I, I, it has. I can almost handle the unkempt and the unshaven if we could tighten up the abdominals a little bit. And I know you're a personal trainer. I know you'd be willing to do that, but the the Uncle Lou Gut, and of course we all know in baseball, for some weird reason, the managers, unlike any other sport, they wear the uniform of the team, and the uh, the Uncle Lou Gut, as he walks out to change a pitcher, just not a good luck, Big Dog. I'm going to have to disagree with you there, because uh, when you think about like some of the great managers, that at least that I've seen, Tommy Lasorda, Earl Weaver, Terry Bevington, a lot of these guys had guts, Coach. A lot of them had guts. I mean, I don't mean guts as in terms of way pulse. Uh-huh. I mean, in terms of the, they had they had the pop belly. So I don't really think it matters in, the, in baseball. Okay, good point. Greatest, uh, what some would argue, the greatest player in baseball history, Babe Ruth, had a uh, pretty strong abdominal region. Yeah, he had, he had skinny piano legs and a big gut. You know, it, it was funny. When he came up with the Boston <laughs> Red Sox, have you ever seen pictures of that guy? No. Babe Ruth, when he came up with the Red Sox, and please don't take this the wrong way, people. I'm a pretty built guy, but he looked just like me, 6'2", 215 pounds, broad shoulders. I mean, he looked like a freaking athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, he got a little bigger before he traded was traded to. I mean, from Boston, uh, what for uh, a loan to pay for the Broadway show? Na 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 net. Okay, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he blew up in New York. I mean, those Frankfurters really got to him, coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, the gut in baseball. If you can swing the bat and have a rocket for an arm. You might be able to get away with it. Not so much nowadays, but you know, definitely in the mm-hmm. days. If you think about it, nowadays there's only a couple like big, hefty guys, and 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 they got thick bases. Not like Babe Ruth, who had a big, fat gut and skinny legs. Like Pablo Sandoval, who's got a big base. <laughs> oh goodness, you're painting a wonderful, wonderful picture out there. How about um, we have to ask you? We're talking to Chicago Cub baseball expert, uh, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. You want to check in, talk a little baseball here. We're going to get to other topics along the way as well. 888-463-6748. Big dog, I got to uh, ask you some of the potential candidates that are out there. And I know you want to let it sift in a little bit and let it breathe like a fine wine, but early on, uh, between a Bob Brenly, a Joe Girardi, a Ryan Sandberg, do you have a guy that you'd love to see as the manager again uh, for the team you're so passionate about? Greg Maddox. 
as manager? As manager. A little bit I've early. I've been for asked this question a million times. Yes. And no matter what I say, it's going to be Greg Maddox. And even though I'm not a big fan of Tony La Russa, or excuse me, Abner Doubleday, because he thinks he invited the game, he almost did. So uh, if you could steal him from the Cardinals, because there's been talk about that, I would love that. And then there's been other talk, Coach, of Freddie Gonzalez, the former manager of the Marlins. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Cubs are really going to go that way. I, I certainly hope not. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't really – Joe Torre would be nice. But, you know, Joe Torre is a great manager when he's got Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera. So if he's going to bring those guys, I, I'd be more than happy. Mm-hmm. Joe Girardi, you know what, he, he might instill the discipline. But well, who says that Torre's going to leave Los Angeles and Girardi's going to leave New York? Let's not get into all that. So, uh, you know, I, I hate to tell you, Coach, it's going to be Ryan Sandberg. Well, you don't have to, you don't have to hate to, you don't have to hate to tell me that's my first choice. Okay, well, I, I really, you know what? I will give you this. This is what I like about Ryan Sandberg. Even though he's a Hall of Famer, he decided to go back through the minor leagues and manage through the system. So yes. the guy's obviously willing to put the work in. Yep. And and the players have the minor league players have really respected him. Mm-hmm. And and I hate to say this because this bothers me, but you know what? It seems like major league players don't respect guys that don't have a lot of credentials. You know, as a player, mm-hmm. unless they're re- they have a really, really you know iron fist. So hopefully, Ryan Sandberg knows how to speak uh, Spanish, and and I, I don't say that kiddingly, coach, because it really does help, especially mm-hmm. when you have a bunch of players on your team that don't speak English. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, you know he knows how to speak Spanish, so that would help. That would help big time. You know, La Russa, Girardi, uh, Pinella, Ozzy Guillen, all these guys speak two languages. It really helps. You know, nowadays, especially when you have guys coming in from the Dominican Republic. Who are nineteen? Excuse me, twenty-six. Who, uh, you know, but they don't know how to speak English. It does help as a manager to be able to speak in a native tongue. Mm-hmm. And what uh, you were alluding to earlier is Ryan Sandberg, Hall of Famer. He was out of baseball for a while, pretty much out of the blue. About five years ago, came to the Chicago Cubs, say, hey, "I'd like to get into uh, managing." And the Chicago Cubs, I don't know if it was Jim Hendry at that point or who made the decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hendry's been here long enough, so okay. I'm almost positive it was Hendry. Yeah. Okay. And they basically told Ryan, we'd love to have you part of the program, but uh, you got to show to us, show us, you got to work your way up. He's not going to start as many do at the major league level. When I say many, many that are Hall of Famers and stars for a team. And like you said, Ryan Sandberg said uh, no problem at all. I don't know if he was thrilled about it, but was not too much of an ego as a Hall of Famer to go down in Class A, Class AA, and move up to Class AAA. He did his time in the minor league. I fully respect that. How is Ryan Sammer going to be able to handle the Chicago media? He couldn't handle it as a player, Mm -hmm. even when people were patting him on the back constantly. Oh, you're the best second baseman in the game. You're going to break the all-time record. You're the best fielding second baseman possibly ever. You're the best base runner in the game, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. And he still couldn't handle the pressure of... Uh, the camera in his face. The thing I'm worried about is, yeah, maybe he might be a manager, a great manager in, in Peoria, and he's in Iowa now. Maybe he's a great manager in Iowa. He was a great manager when he was in Daytona. How are you going to handle the Chicago press? And the only press worse than Chicago is New York when it comes to sports. Mm-hmm. You know, the L.A. press is tough on sports fans, on the sports, but as soon as the team goes bad, nobody cares. You know what I mean? You don't hear the call-in shows on, in Los Angeles blasting people when they're bad. You hear it in New York, Philadelphia, and Chicago, though. So uh, let's face it, uh, things aren't typically rosy for the for the Cubbies. You know what I mean? How is Ryan Sammer going to deal with that particular situation? Coach? And the answer is we don't know. I will tell you this, though. It's, it's hard to say a guy has changed because when you're 30, 35 years old, it's hard to change. But Ryan Sandberg has legitimately, I think, one of the few guys 
in sports or out, he has significantly changed. I don't know if you want to say changed his personality, but he is a different guy than when he was a player with the Cubs. Big All he had to do was watch his Hall of Fame speech to see, and that thing came from the heart, and it had some charisma, and it had some uh, some motivation, and it had some uh, outward personality, stuff we never saw from Ryan Sandberg. So I think the Rhino that you're thinking of in the past, I do think, uh, unlike a lot of guys his age, he has changed, and maybe he can handle the media. Yeah, maybe so. And, you know, it is a little bit different giving a speech than handling questions, though. I was using the speech as an example of, of how he has changed, and I think he's shown at the minor league level. He's gotten in some uh, some pretty good arguments. You remember the big uh, battle where the fight broke out, and one of the players on them was at his team or the opposing team that threw the ball at a player at the other team, missed, hit a fan, that whole uh, catastrophe. Sandberg was in the middle of that. Yeah, it is. It was a. Uh, it was an. Uh, it was a, a Cub player, a Peoria Cub player, who threw the ball into the, it, and it accidentally hit a fan in the stand mm-hmm. and hurt him pretty bad. So, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. He handled that pretty good, Coach. I have to say, he did. Mm-hmm. He did handle that well. Now here's my theory. See if you're with me on this. This is the reason I want Ryan Sandberg. I like Greg Maddox, but I think you're promoting him too soon as the manager. I'd like Greg as the pitching coach. Here's my theory. David Olson, what has it been, 101 years, 102? How many years? Since the Cubs. 1908, so this is, yeah, the 102 years. It's going to be at least 103 years. 102 years, and all of us, so you had David Olson's age, your age, Joel, my age. That equals about 102, maybe a little bit over. We've waited a long time, okay? Uh When it finally happens, when it finally happens, and hopefully it's going to be in the next five years, when we finally win that World Series, I want it to be a sweet, as it can be. It's been a long wait. I don't want, you know, I'd love to see the Cubs win the championship, but it would be, it would lessen the thrill if we had a manager we brought in like a Joe Torrey and we had a bunch of free agent players. Maybe we brought in some guys that didn't have that true Cub feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying I wouldn't be happy, but I've waited 102 damn years, Big Doug, not me personally. Okay, but it's been that long. I want if it's if it's gonna happen, I want it to be as great and make it worth that wait. Ryan Sandberg, an ex-Cub, even Joe Girardi, who was a Cub player. I, I you know, yeah, Greg Maddox is the pitching coach, and some home-built players, maybe a veteran like Ramirez. He's been around long enough with the Starlin Castro, uh, Starlin, <laughs> Starlin Castro, and Tyler uh, uh, Colvin, guys like that. That would make the win that much sweeter. That's why I want a Ryan Sandberg to manage because I would thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy the World Series victory. Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with you there, Coach. I, I really don't care at that point. I, I mean, I'm not going to say, "Oh, I don't enjoy it as much as Joe Torre was a manager." I'm not going to care at all at that particular point, and not at all. At all. Okay. Not at all. I, okay. I can tell that. Yeah, it'd be nice if Maddox uh, or Sandberg was the manager, but mm-hmm. did it make the Super Bowl victory for you any more uh, like special because Mike Dicka was the coach of the Bears instead of yes. Neil Armstrong? Yeah. I'm not saying a lot, but a little bit, yes. The fact that an ex-bear, Mike Ditka, a Chicago guy, was the coach of the team, I would say yes, it did make it more special. Okay. If you yeah. say so to me, I don't care. I just want them to get it done. I'm sick of waiting. Okay. Mm-hmm. The amount of time, the amount okay. of money, the amount of uh, just ridicule that I've put up with as being a Cub fan. <laughs> you know, i I'm, I got to be quite honest with you. I'm pretty sick of it, to be honest uh-huh. with you. So. All right. All right. We'll get off the baseball beat here in a second real quick. Before we head to a break, Big Dog, uh, speaking of uh, – 
taking abuse as a Cubs fan. You got to put up with some more with your TV show, Black, or webcasting show, blackandbluecity.com. As we head into a break, Big Dog, I'll publicize that once again. We want our fans to check out the Big Dog on the big screen. Yes, check it out at www.blackandbluecity.com so we can move from being a web series into going on to WCIU. We're on WCIU.com right now. You can go there to check it out, Black and Blue City. Uh, please become a fan on Facebook, Black mm-hmm. and Blue City. And, you know, because we're going to be on television next year in April, but we're hoping to get on before the end of this particular baseball mm-hmm. season. It would really help me out drastically, Coach. Please, let, let's make it happen. And you are the blue of the Black and Blue. Uh, as you can probably tell by my remarks about yes. the Chicago Cubs, yeah. Been a tough year, so you got to battle up against this White Sox guy. Uh, and right now, when you started the show, both teams were in the dumpster. Ever since the show came on, the White Sox arrow up, Cubs arrow kind of hanging in. So you are, um, you got a tough battle for you. Tough battle. Yeah, I would, you. yeah, actually, for the first couple of weeks, the White Sox really put it in the tank for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, they they played really poorly in May, and then all of a sudden, you know, like the middle of June came around, and the White Sox have been absolutely phenomenal since then. So. No truth um, to the rumor that uh, Ozzie Guillen checked out the Black and Blue City and saw the bald-headed guy, the big dog, talking down his White Sox team, showed that video to the team, and your cutting down to the White Sox was a secret, one of the secret untold stories that helped turn around the White Sox season, that motivation. It, it might possibly be because I do uh, some tweeting for Black and Blue City, yep. and, uh, and, and Ozzie and I got into it one day uh, through tweet. Did he rub your head? Uh, no, he did not rub my head. It was we were tweeting each other, Coach. <laughs> Which I'd be more than happy to do for you also, by the way. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, we'll take a quick break. Dog and the coach with you up until 11. Who's your favorite uncle? TV, movie star, or personal? We're coming up with a top ten list of uncles in honor of everybody's favorite uncle, Uncle Lou Pinella, retiring at the age of 62. Back in a minute. TalkZone.com. Two guys, one Mike and a favorite uncle. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com and welcome back talkzone.com big dog you'll be happy to know uh, during the break uh, check my uh, emails and crack in the back has joined our twitter family here please uh, welcome in crack in the back to our listening audience 
Uh, welcome in, Crack in the Back. It's good to have you. Thank oh, you very and, much. And please, yeah, don't don't approach me from the rear. <laughs> All handshakes taken from the front. Big Dog and the Coach with your phone lines open, 888-463-6748. Your favorite emailer, Cinemax Cindy. I thought she forgot about us. I thought you were history with her, Big Dog, but Cinemax Cindy checking in and said, uh, what about the man from Uncle, who was Napoleon Solo? Is that his name in the show? Robert Vaughn. I, I never saw that right? particular show. Coach. So you guys, I'm, I'm showing my age here. I keep forgetting. I keep thinking myself as a young guy. I look across from a young, sportly David Olson. I talk to the big dog here, and technically, I'm if not a full generation, I'm a half a generation ahead of you guys, or behind you. You never would, heard. You never heard of the man from Uncle. I would definitely. Uh, I would definitely say that uh, you are ahead of us, Take no it behind easy. us, Coach. I would say behind. Take yeah. it easy. I'm sure Crack in the Back will appreciate that. Our member of our Twitter family, Man from Uncle, was a famous, famous show back when I was a kid. Robert Vaughn played. It was like a detective show, if you want to. They were a part of a secret agency. And then uh, Ilya Kiriakin was his Robin to Robert Vaughn's Batman, but Man from Uncle. So we thank Cinemax Cindy for checking in. Mike, two guys at AOL.com. Big Dog, you mentioned your uh, gay uncle. Does your gay uncle, who dresses you so well, gives you nice clothes? Does he have a uh, name and any other... Things you'd like, because we're going to vote on the top uncle at the end of the show. Uh, Serge. Uncle Serge? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and it's funny because that's not only his name, that's what he does. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Almost afraid to ask. Yes, I uh, don't, Coach, please. How about uh, David Olson and the Sopranos? Uncle, what was his name? Junior. The guy Junior. That, uncle Junior. Uncle Junior. His name uncle was Junior. Uncle, that's an odd name, but Uncle Junior was a pretty good character actor. They kind of phased him out a little bit, but he did a great acting job early on. Well, yeah, yeah, because yeah, he like uh, Alzheimer's through the course of the yeah. show. So he phased himself out. Yeah, basically. Uh-huh. But that battle early on between James Gandolfini trying to take over the as the leader of the mob from Uncle Junior. Well, that no, was no, no, part no, of the no, early no, draw. Well, no, the draw was that Junior was the front man, but okay. Tony ran everything. Okay. And it was. It was Junior and Tony's mother ah. that were conspiring to get Tony out of the picture. Okay. Yeah, I got to tell you something. That was, and you know what the funny thing is, David? People don't realize that uh, the mother and the Tony's mom in Sopranos was mm-hmm. actually the chief of police in Naked Gun. Also, the uh, chief of the editor of the newspaper in Lou Grant. Was she really correct yeah. on both counts? Yeah. I, I forget the actress's name, but she was she was very very good. It was Nancy something or another. Mm-hmm. That's a good call. Good call. Who's your favorite uncle? Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. I'm I gonna nominate my uncle Al. Remember we talked about Uncle Al before a uh, big dog on the show. Um, yes, a, a great Uncle Al coach. Uncle Al was a, a big uh, hockey fan. He's the one, if you remember, who. I, Far as I know, he started the tradition. Some other people do it now. But when they're, you know how the announcer comes up at the end of each period, one minute left in the period? Yeah. I would go to the games as a kid, and my uncle would have, uh, he'd have one or two or six or seven beers. Be a little bit, uh, inebriated, but he was a, he was a good drunk, not a, not a out of control drunk. And he wasn't really a drunk. He would just drink. But, uh, you know, with like five seconds, minute five left, minute four left, he would stand up and holler out, hey! How much time left in the period? One minute left in the period. Thank you. 
and I, I will let everybody out there in, in TalkZone.com land know that Coach John Cone has carried on that tradition because every single sporting event I've ever been to, <laughs> you do well, that, dude. It's funny because we'll go to games that don't actually have that particular – they don't actually do that, <laughs> and you'll do it and nobody will say anything. And, and you'll be like, well, I can't get an answer. <laughs> those, those are the ones, I'm the only one who gets it in the whole area. So. Uncle Al, also, and I was not at this event, but apparently there was a fight that broke out on the rink. This is back in the day when the glass boards were a little bit lower. And some of the fans, you know, they all wore like the sport coats and the top hats back in those days. Some of the fans actually jumped onto the ice to be part of this fight, the big dog. No, that's when they had the fences. Yeah. They didn't have the plexiglass. So you can climb a fence. You can't climb plexiglass. You know what I'm saying, Coach? Okay. Oh, yeah, that's, but you know uh, what I'm talking about, where it was it was a much lower, so it was more of a fence than a plexiglass. Yeah, and you anybody anybody with some that has the ability to grab onto a fence and they handle mm-hmm. it with their fingers for a couple of seconds yep. can do it. Well, can you imagine though jumping off the fence onto the ice? That's probably not a good idea. Well, some, I, could, I would like to see how many people busted their heads open. Uncle Al found out it was not a good idea. He didn't bust his head open falling on the ice. He jumped over the glass, uh, and there was already about three, four fans out there. And a couple more jumping, and of course, Uncle Al, being the uh, Uncle Al that he is, jumped over onto the ice to join the fight like a big tough guy. Again, after uh, a few inebriations. Well, and you said he isn't an out of control drunk coach. Nope. Fighting a professional hockey player to me <laughs> is like when I think about out of control. That's in the top ten. He got caught up in the, uh, you know, in the moment. Yes, uh, caught. <laughs> Caught up in the moment, but the way my dad describes it, here he is, Mr. Tough Guy, thinks he's going to settle everything. Takes three or four steps out on the ice, not a hockey player, but some other guy comes up, boom, punches him, levels him down on the ice, passed out. So Mr. Tough Guy lasted about three or four steps, and was then down he goes. Was it was like a security guard? You know, I don't know. But I, I, I can just picture Uncle Al out there, big shot, ready to join the fight. Two, three step, boom, down he goes. Down goes Uncle Al. And he would also be famous at uh, weddings or parties. He would get up and steal the microphone from the band and go into a rendition of um, Hello, Doubt. So I would like to nominate, with your permission, Big Doug, my Uncle Al to the top uncles in our top ten uncle list. I, I, he's going to be tough to beat, Coach. This well, he's, he's going straight ahead against your gay uncle. That's going to be a, a good battle right there. Now, do you actually know the words to Hello, Dolly now because of this? I'm not going to sing it at that, you know. I probably don't know all the words. I know more than I would, though. And every everybody out there listening to the program is very thankful that you're not going to be actually singing this. I'm, so, I'm, thank you very much. I'm glad I can make everybody else out there thankful. Again, if you want to nominate in Uncle for our top ten list, you can do it. We already had Uncle Charlie from My Three Sons, Uncle Sam, nicely done by the big dog, very patriotic, and, uh, of course, Uncle Lou Pinella, who has retired not retired, but has resigned, effective at the end of the season for the Chicago Cup. 888-463-6748. Our phone number real quick, Big Dunn. Let's talk about the White Sox. They win again last night late. I don't know if you stayed awake for the end, but 4 nothing. They're getting great pitching again. John Danks, J.J. Putz, Putz, and then Bobby Jenks. Sox are now three and a half games up. Who would have thunk it? Well, uh, it, it's Putz because he was good last night, Coach. It's not Putz. It's only Putz when he gives up a run. Okay. Okay, but yeah, the last night, Alexei Ramirez with a homer. Uh, they ran the bases well, and most importantly, they played some defense last night. And, uh, you know, I didn't start watching the game until the Cubs' comeback against the Astros was over with. But when I was watching the game, it was like play after play. Omar Vizquel and Alexei Ramirez. And, 
And when it was done, Steve Stone said, without a doubt, this was the best defensive game that the Sox had played all season. And since I'd only watched like the three and a half innings, mm-hmm. I saw so many plays during that part. I might have to agree with you. In the ninth inning, there were three stellar plays. Uh, so it was pretty impressive, Coach. Pretty impressive. You know, we've talked a lot on the show, Big Dog, with the White Sox. Amazing turnaround about some of the young kids. You know, Gordon Beckham turning around. Alexi Ramirez, some of the young pitching you mentioned one veteran. I'm going to mention another guy, too, that have quietly uh, performed way ahead of what they thought we they would, especially during the comeback. One is Omar Vizcayel, who's been playing third base, and another quietly having a pretty good season, Juan Pierre. Two, I think both of them are over 41, Pierre's at least close to it, that have, um, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but the two key parts of the White Sox turnaround. Uh, there's no doubt about that, Coach. That's uh, 100% correct. I mean, they have been absolutely phenomenal. So, And, and you know, I, I always stress this for somebody that can't get stuff right in my life, but the little things are important. You know, And it's so funny to talk about what was wrong with the Cubs early on. It was like you you would see them lose a game, you know, 4-3, to three, and you would just go back into Well, they had the bases loaded with no outs in the second inning, you know, and there's three strikeouts or somebody made a base running mistake or – Somebody made a stupid throw and missed the cutoff, man. Well, you know, it's when those guys that you're talking about with the White Sox, they always do the little things right. And it's not the stuff you see in the box score, not stuff that gets you a $15 million contract. All it does is keep your team in ball games and helps you win. Mm-hmm. And, and legitimately, Coach, it, there's not enough ball players like that in Major League Baseball. And Omar Vizcayo, you remember they picked him up almost as a uh, afterthought, but not – Unless I'm mistaken, not that much before the actual start of the season, right, Big Dog? Uh, Wasn't it during I, I like? Believe, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was around then. He was, you know, he stayed in shape. He didn't want to. He didn't want to give it up. And, and and I tell you, Coach, he looks like he's having more fun than anybody in Major League Baseball right now. Mm-hmm. I know most other people that are 43, they can't even get out of bed. And, and you know, this dude is diving around the field. You know, uh, running the bases. It, it goes to show. And I always tell these people. Your metabolism slows down when you get older. No, it doesn't. All you have to do is exercise and eat right. And if you treat your body right, mm-hmm. obviously it takes you a longer time to repair. I know that as I'm getting older. And you do lose your white muscle fiber, which makes you slower. But if you do things right, you can live a nice, healthy life your whole entire life. You, you know what I'm saying? Coach, if you didn't exercise as much as you as you do, you wouldn't be able to get out of bed either. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But like, it just goes to show if you treat your body the right way. You can do. You can live a, like a really prosperous life. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we've turned to the Food and Drug Administration or nutrition expert uh, Joel Radwanski. Of course, Omar Vizcayal, he of 42 years old, they moved him from short to third base. I always thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed watching him play shortstop. I always said there's probably in my career, big dog, only one guy. There's not many that I would go to the park to to try to uh, go to a baseball game to go watch him play, and especially on the defensive end, the only guy I could ever say that was Ozzie Smith of the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, I yeah. would watch a game on TV or try to go to a game just to watch him play. Next to Ozzie, Omar Vizcayal was the next best shortstop I ever saw defensively. I got to tell you something, Coach. I loved watching Ozzie Smith when they weren't playing the Cubs. Every, I would just hear Ozzie Smith's name if he was in the lineup against the Cubs, and I would mm-hmm. just be like, oh, it would just make me sick in my stomach. Because, mm-hmm. you know, somehow you know, he was going to go one for four, you know, but in two of his at-bats, he moved a guy to third base, you know, and his one hit that he got was a gigantic, important hit. And, you know, in every single at-bat, he battled a pitcher all day long. 
He didn't strike out at all. Oh, and, and he made every single routine play, and he made one play that just made you go, wow, mm-hmm. throughout a game. And, oh, and by the way, when he was on the base pass that one time, he just drove everybody absolutely nuts, and he pulled your hair out, and he scored a run. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the game, you're like, yeah, they only went one for four, but he was without a doubt the best player on the field. And, and you know, Omar Vizquel, uh, it might be better than Ozzy Smith defensively, but, you know, um, I mean, it's, it's tough to say who is better offensively, Coach, because I know Vizquel's numbers are a little better. Uh-huh. But it was back in the days of the 70s and 80s when Ozzy Smith was doing that, and it was a little bit more difficult to get hits back then. But, yeah, I have to agree with you. Those two are, the, without a doubt, the best defensive players I've ever seen. You know, prior to um, doing this particular two guys at a mic show, we used to do a radio show in the morning, but we did not have a TV in the studio. And for my pre-prep at home, I would read papers. I would not watch typically ESPN in the morning. If I saw ESPN's this is top... This what I do. I, I do that and the computer. I, I wish okay. I get the paper, but it's Aurora. So we, we get like yesterday's paper. Okay. Because we're so far out. <laughs> but but I'm going to connect this to shortstops in just a second here as we talk uh, Omar Vizcayo, Ozzy Smith, some of the great shortstops. And, I, you know, if I watched one ESPN top ten maybe a month, that would probably be about the average. Maybe my son was catching in the morning. Now that I am doing the two guys at a mic show, David Olson being the great producer as he is, he's got my coffee warmed up, got both computer screens on when I come in, both TV screens on. I'm able to catch now, big dog, each and every day, the top ten highlights, and it's amazing, including today. It's amazing during baseball season to watch the great plays, typically two, three, or four of the top ten plays are shortstops going deep in the hole, diving plays, turning double plays, getting up, making miraculous throws. I guess the point I'm making is by watching these top ten highlights, I now see how many great young shortstops there are in the game of baseball today. Their athleticism is amazing. Yeah, it's so funny. about And and both these guys are getting better at the routine plays. But it's funny how often Alexei Ramirez and Starlin Castro of the Cubs are on the, what do you call it, they're on uh, the top plays of the day, and at least once a week they should be on there for how the heck did this guy miss this play? You know, <laughs> seriously, it's like a Starlet Castro will make a play, and you're just like, I haven't seen anybody do that since Ozzy. Not Gian Smith. And mm-hmm. then, like, the next inning, a ball goes right between his legs. You know, so it, it, I don't understand it, but I will admit Castro's getting better at that. I mean, I really like the kid. Uh, he is starting to make more of the routine plays. But you're right, Coach. You know, uh, you know, it seemed like in the late '90s, all these we had all these shortstops that could hit, and they were average defensively. We're, they're getting back now to teams are trying to win games by saving mm-hmm. runs instead of hitting home runs. So, you say baseball players aren't athletes, and often that can I be never the case. Said that. Well, in some cases, I think that might be true. But but shortstops, the young shortstops today, boy, <laughs> athletic, they can jump. They can dive. Their ability to get back, their flexibility, and their quickness is just amazing. Well, you know, when I think of the, the shortstops, the the middle infielders, the, the new guys coming in the outfield like the Austin Jacksons of Detroit, there's some athletes out there, Coach. Each row Suzuki is about as good of an athlete as you can find on this freaking planet right now. So. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's different versions of athleticism. We're not going to get into that. Right now, but uh, it's the dog and the coach. we got a few minutes left. If you want to dial it up, uh, give us a call, 888-463-6748. Talking to baseball, of course, manager Lou Pinella resigning. If we got any Cub, I keep saying resigning, resigning effective at the end of the year. If we have Cub fans, you want to chime in. The manager you would like to see, I picked Ryan Sandberg. Big dog, shocking, shocking our vast listening audience by saying Greg Maddox 
uh, is his first choice. Only the people who don't listen to me. Do you know I have Greg Maddox love, Coach? If there's a man crush I've ever had in my life, it's on the nerd that is the bookworm uh, Greg Maddox. I love that guy, Coach. I thought your man crush was on ex-Chicago Bull J.J. Reddick. He was never a Chicago Bull, and I just want to reiterate to everybody, thank goodness the Orlando Magic (laughs) at that particular uh, deal because – if you think about it, since then the Bulls have added C.J. Watson. Yeah, I and felt they've like added uh, Ronnie Brewer. Thank you. No, no, thank you to J.J. We already had J.J. Reddick. His name is Kyle Korver. Okay, it, so that's that's all I'm going to say. It all worked out for the Bulls, didn't it? Everything this off season has worked out for the Bulls in some weird way. We're going to look back and we're going to be so happy at how this team turned out. I felt like at the end of yesterday's show you had thoughts because I've never seen the guy play a new Chicago Bull backup point guard. C.J. Watson. Coach, the guy can play. So the Bulls got a – they traded a second-round pick for a guy that averaged 10 points a game last year. What's the chance that they would draft a guy in a second round next year that would average 10 points a game? What, you know, what, what, what college did C.J. Watson go to? Oh, um, it was a small school, Coach. I, I don't I remember. I watch – you know, I, I go to see – if you play on the West Coast, I watch your NBA basketball okay. games. That's how I go to sleep. Okay. If you, you – ask David Olson. I know that's how he does it. Mm-hmm. You know, you just put the NBA on and five minutes later you're asleep. But C.J. Watson <laughs> would be, uh, you know, he's a backup guy that scores 10 points a game. That's good, Coach. Uh, I mean, I remember Earl Watson out of UCLA backup point guard when the Bulls picked up C.J. Watson. Yeah, all right, C.J. Watson. I'm like, who's C.J. Watson? Never heard of the guy. Maybe how about Tennessee? He didn't go to no, Tennessee. No, definitely did not Tennessee. Coach. Okay. It Tennessee. All right. Uh, we'll very quickly. Thank I'm you very much. I'm glad you're optimistic on the beloved bull in the middle of July. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Before we forget the Tour de France, Big Dog stayed 16 in the book, stayed 17 right now. I know, uh, typically in honor of the, st- uh, the Tour de France, you will do, is it tomorrow's show? Or Friday's show, you will do the entire show riding an exercise bike. Isn't that one of your traditions? Well, I've done it before, Coach. I've actually rode a real bike <laughs> up Halstead Street. Yeah. While and doing the show. I, since I was driving out of Halstead, I normally wear the tights. I refused to wear the tights when I was going up Halstead. I was like, no way. Okay. I can't take the cat call or the puppy <laughs> call. I don't know what you call it in that particular area. Oh, that I'm very disappointed, by the way, this year I'm going to miss. I'm going to be out of town for the Halstead Street Festival. No, you've already missed it. No, I haven't. Oh, the whole the different Halstead Street, Street Festival is totally different than the Pride Parade, isn't it? Yes, it is. Halstead okay. Street Market Days. Yes, Market Days. Highly recommended uh, for any people watcher savant like myself. Yeah, and if you need uh, high heels in a size 15 triple E, they, you can probably get them there. Yeah, but but everybody is totally cool. Just very very fun environment. Just don't do as as I did last year and bring your wife and thirteen year old son with. That would not be recommended. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, though. I'll go with you this year, big dog, if I'm in town. But I think if, I'm out of town. Uh, just as long as you can uh, bring me a bottle and I can sip on it while I'm going through there, because yeah, I, I, I have to feel at ease. If you know what I mean? I can get a little upset in those situations. So. Would you have, rather have a uh, bottle in front of you or a frontal lobotomy? Lobotomy. <laughs> uh, but you you bring up the fact wearing the shorts and bicycling and uh, the Tour de France guys. What do they ride? Like a hundred miles a day? Hundred ten? Mi- yeah, it's way up there, coach. I went out, it's, big dog, and maybe you bicycled more than me. You maybe you can give some advice to our young listeners out there. I went out for a very uh, brief neighborhood bicycle ride uh, yesterday, or no, two days ago. 
-hmm. My son and my wife watching some TV show. It was a nice summer night. Right before getting dark out, I thought I'd take the bike out for a quick little ride. Came back after 15 minutes, and now I don't know how to gently put this, but definite irritation slash soreness in the groinal region. Do you mean do you mean your taint? Beg your pardon. I'm not, I'm not ice is the best way, or maybe a little baby powder. Well, it, was it a was it was it from friction or was it from actual muscle soreness? No friction. Oh, that's baby powder. Friction. Well. All right, no I, I was good. Powder on there, coach. But that Those was for a very, very, uh, you know. There at you at this age. All right, so baby powder uh, uh, prior, post, or yes to both? Prior, prior. prior. You got to throw it on there prior. See, coach. there you that's, go. That, that's a, anytime there's friction involved, you just throw a little baby powder in okay. there. You don't want to go with lotions, coach, because it'll start getting squishy and you'll feel real uncomfortable. Okay. I was going to ask how the tour to from. I mean, I went out for a casual. Casual 15 minute ride. These guys are bicycling at high speeds competitively for uh, six, seven, eight hours a day. How they handle it, but I think you just described it. Probably plenty of powder, and I'm sure their seats are, are better padded than mine. Yeah, and I'm sure those guys have all that stuff figured out. And let's face it, if you decide to make a career, because it doesn't happen to everybody, it might just be the way you ride. It might be the you know, mm-hmm. it just might be the way you sit on there. Uh, it, it might be your skin. Trust me, if those guys have that issue, they retire from from uh, bicycling before they even decide to make it a career. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those guys aren't dealing with that issue typically. I Possibly think. they go to a plastic surgeon and get a, a lift and tuck, if you will. <laughs> I don't know if you want to say lift and tuck when you're talking about those yeah. particular things. Oh, goodness. Where's that scream sound effect when we need it? All right, dog, couple of minutes left on today's show. By the way, we always give you stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France, stage 17 today. Anything you expect? It's a two-man race right now. Uh, Andy Schleck from Luxembourg, Alberto Contador from Spain. It appears that those two are going to race to the finish. You know what, Coach? I'm extremely uh, impressed about the fact there's an eight-second difference between these two. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often do you get to see that? That doesn't happen very often, and... Uh... I, I don't. Has there ever been one of those races that actually came down to the last day? You, you know, mentioned that. Like, mentioned you know, that before. It, I don't recall it. And how cool would that be if it came down to the final two miles on flatland, dead sprint? You brought that up before, and that's a great call. I'd love to it see. It looks it. like it's going to happen. I mean, because if you think about it, at this point, if there is no separation, these guys probably are going to be able to stay with within each other, you know, and not let somebody get out a couple minutes ahead. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I'm saying? So there, there's a good chance that, and on the last day, do they all go at the same time like normal, or do they do the separate thing like, you know, so it is really a race to the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. I'm not sure. Your point that you mentioned a couple of days ago, that usually the last day is more for show. You know, it's for the leader to take his accolades. It's kind of weird. But this year, maybe it won't be, uh, you know, we'll actually, it was almost like the British Open where the guy had like an eight-stroke lead. But this year, maybe it will be tight in the final day. We won't have parades out there. We'll have an actual race. Yeah, see, I get sick of these unwritten rules in, in, in uh, bicycling because uh, I, I do remember a couple of years ago when, uh, like, Lance Armstrong, it was the closest he had ever been that somebody had ever been to him. It was like four minutes. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, somebody actually, if they make a run, because you're talking about 100 miles, somebody can make up. 
you know, four minutes, and they were like, oh, no, 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 it's an unwritten rule that you, on the last day you you don't try to win. Yeah, what? And I'm like, what? Yeah. Are you serious? What? So, you, what, so yeah. really it's only a 19-stage a, a race and not a 20-stage yeah, yeah, race. Yeah, you can throw that, throw that unwritten rule right away along, uh, th- right out the window along with the unwritten rule book. That's brutal. Well, uh, something tells me the way that the Schleck, because uh, what's his name, Schleck, Schleck? Andy Schleck. He, uh, you know, from when his chain got popped off, Yep, and he was passed by Contador. Something tells me that he is going to be racing to the end, anyways. And and if anybody knows Alberto Contador and what a pain in the butt he's been over the last couple of years, the only time I ever hear comments that I remember from from bicyclers when he says something stupid, and he said a lot of dumb stuff over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Him and Armstrong got into it last year, and he said a bunch of bad stuff of the year before. So it's going to go down to the last day, and 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 I will tell you this: if it's if it is the last day, I will watch the last, like, 20 minutes of the race. Mm-hmm. I will be joining you. Maybe the two of us can watch on an exercise bicycle. Big Doll, we got to wrap up the show today from... Uh, I always your, wrap it up, Coach. From Who's Your Favorite Uncle to Cub and Sox Talk. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, behave yourself, Big Dog, and hopefully, God willing, at 10 o'clock tomorrow, we'll do it all over again. Uh, hopefully, Coach, I, I, I uh, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll definitely talk, everybody. David Olson did a fantastic job. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll do it all over again. Join us tomorrow at 10. TalkZone.com.